0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here as we wrap up this series we've been in for several weeks, pretty much all of 2022. Um, but uh, we're so glad that you are a part of that. And I hope that this has been a hopeful journey for you. We're going to kind of bring that together this morning. Now, as I recap, uh, I want to give a couple of definitions of a few terms and just to kind of recap some of the big ideas that we covered over the last several weeks. I, I know that I probably don't really need to do that for you because nobody here missed one of my sermons, I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah, you guys laughed just like the first service. Anyway, yeah, no, I get that, and that's why I do this. I want you guys to be able to be sort of caught up, and if this is your first time, we're so glad you are here. We've been in a series entitled The Three Enemies of Your Soul, where we began by looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 8, where... Uh, Jesus really begins to unpack this idea that we are all in a war, right? That whether you're uh, aware of it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you are in this war and Jesus makes it really clear it's not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. It is a spiritual war to take back control of our minds from their captivity to lies with the weapon of the truth. Jesus was all about this idea of deceptions, lies, and truth, and that he came, he says, I have come for this reason, to bring the truth, to declare the truth, to represent the truth, and this truth can set you free in the most um, full and complete sense of the word free, eternally free, he tells us, and but... Conversely, it's important to know that there are deceptions, there are lies, and they all find their origin point with an evil creature Jesus called the devil. He's not metaphorical, he's not symbolic, he is literal, he's here, and he wants to destroy your life. Jesus was really clear about this. This is not something that you know that he was a little vague about, but that this devil wants to destroy you so that he can get back at God. And he does this by way of deceptions, by lies. He is a master deceiver, and his lies are not random. He tells us that there is a strategy behind all of it. And here's his strategy. It's deceitful ideas that play to misguided desires in us, which the New Testament writers call the flesh. We talked about that for a few weeks. And then finally, these misguided desires that are, that are placated by the, 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 the deceitful ideas are normalized into a sinful society In this sinful society concept we talked about last week that the New Testament writer Jesus himself called the world. The world. Let me give you a fuller definition of the world. The world is a system of values and practices that are integrated into our culture and corrupted by the twin sins of rebellion against God. And another one that ties closely to the heels of that is redefining good and evil. So it's the system of values and practices that have corrupted our society into rebelling against God, I don't need God, I'm gonna make my own rules, right? I don't want God to tell me what's right and wrong. I would rather do that according to my desires, my flesh. And there is a desire, there is a, um, a fight inside of every one of us to do that. And so he talks about this world, you, we all live in this kind of a world, so you need to be aware of it but the question we're gonna to ask today in response to that world, how can we live in this world but not be influenced by it? How do we live in it but not of it? How do we do that? Because that, that is a challenging idea. But today we're gonna to talk about it because Um, In the New Testament, we're challenged to do just that. And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, gives us a map on how to get started, how that's going to happen. He told us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he lays it out this way. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, do not, let's read the highlighted words together, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind now this first word conformed think about like back when you were a kid or if you have little kids playing with play-doh when you're shoving that play-doh down into the mold right being conformed into that image being conformed into the pattern of the world that there is this pressure Sometimes it's not so gentle, sometimes it is gentle, but to conform you to the image or the pattern of the world, society at large, he's saying. So Paul kind of gives us this really weird, I mean, challenging, I should say, dichotomy. You're either being conformed to the pattern of the world or you're being transformed by God's truth into the image of Jesus. So you're either being transformed or deformed, conformed, into the pattern of the world at any given time. And it's like, pay close attention. What is happening in your life? How does this happen? And what is it that's taking place? Though here's another question that kinda helped guide us this morning. How does the culture, our culture, the world, in other words, influence or conform us? How does that take place? Now, if you're a parent, uh, of little kids or teenagers. You've probably already seen this happen many times with your kids. Their friends influence them. The, the, the people they follow on social media influence them. The people they watch on YouTube, their TikToks, their Instagram posts, or whatever that influences them. That's what they think about. That's what they're talking about. But it's not just them, is it? It's us too. It's interesting, there's an enormous amount of research around this idea of what is called socio-political power in our society, in our culture, that is constantly putting pressure on us. There is a, uh, a, um, a professor by the name of Dr. Joseph Nye, political scientist at Harvard, he's written extensively about this, and actually his study, his research, has influenced a couple of uh, presidential administrations But he talks about that the socio-political power can be divided up into two categories, hard power and soft power. I'm gonna talk about it for a little bit because it has a lot to do with what we're talking about today. He says hard power is simply coercion by force. Think about North Korea's police state. You don't get a choice in that matter. But here's the problem. Historically speaking, hard power doesn't work. Eventually, it will spark a revolution. People will rise up and revolt against hard power. It has always happened. Just give it time, it's a matter of time, and people will. But he says there's this other form of power called soft power. And it is the one that actually has greater power in the long term of shaping and molding people. Let's take a look at one of the definitions he gives. He says, soft power is the ability to shape the preferences of others and, and sort of concurrent with that, the ability to attract. Shaping the preferences and attracting at the same time. So Dr. Nye says, I'm gonna kind of quote him, you know, read his um, Kind of research on this. He says, Hollywood is the epitome of soft power. It has done more to change our cultural values around sex, divorce, adultery, vulgar speech, and consumerism simply by making movies that are fun to watch. And we don't realize it. You don't think, oh, I need to have my discernment antenna up while I'm watching this movie because there is an indoctrination happening there is a value system that is very definitely being transmitted to you and to your children this is this should be maybe a spark some conversations after you see movies like how is this movie teaching values that conflict with our faith in the lord you know and he talks about this idea that that is very much a part of our culture today and it happens so insidiously so so quietly we don't even know it happens So this soft power, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, is the one that we should be most aware of, that it has the biggest threat to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because it is so subtle. It happens without us even realizing it's taking place until one day you wake up and you say, dang, I've been assimilated, I've been indoctrinated, I have been conformed into the image of the world, at least in maybe a particular area. It's happened to me, folks. I wake up and say, why am I putting so much importance on this? Why am I getting so bent out of shape about something that's not really that important? Well, I got that message somewhere. I got this message that, you know, it's all up to me, and my performance is most important, and how I look, and how things look, and blah, 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 or whatever, whatever yours is, it will sneak its way in. So, so here's the question, I hope kinda haunts you a little bit. It has me, I want you to think about this. Regardless of where you are in terms of your faith journey, in what ways have I been assimilated into the culture? In what ways? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I would maybe make it even more specific to sort of take it a next step. It would be a question something like this. Where do you feel the greatest friction inside of you over following Jesus Christ in the world today? In other words, where is it you feel it's hardest to say, no, I'm not gonna follow the culture on this, I'm gonna follow what God says on this? Where is it the hardest for you? And even to take it a next step further, I think it's important to ask the question, what or who has become the authority that you are defaulting to in that area rather than Jesus? who is, who or what, like it's important to really think about this, like whose podcast do you listen to the most, whose YouTube do you turn to, whose writings, whose blog posts, who, who, there's somebody that we look to, somebody, an influencer of some type that we look to, and they aren't all bad, I'm just saying that they influence us, and maybe it's not a person, maybe it's your particular brand of politics that you run everything through the grid of your particular politics. And I know that that has happened to a lot of Christians where rather than their Christianity becoming a filter through which they run their politics, it happens the other way around. They run their their Christianity through the politics. And it's sad, but it allows them to be justified, getting red in the face, angry, and calling other people the enemy. If they would just, and if we could have, and if they wouldn't, it makes them out to be the enemy. They demonize human beings, and they feel justified to do it. But we need to remember, as Paul wrote, we struggle not against flesh and blood. We're dealing with people and even ourselves that are captives, they are captive to deceptions and lies. And we ought to have compassion and love for people in situations like that because that's us sometimes, too. You got to be honest. You don't got it all figured I don't have it all figured out either. There are times we need to come with humility, open hearted, open minds. What has God said about this? And let that be what guides us rather than our desires in the moment are what will bring us pleasure, what will satisfy and gratify the flesh. It's so important because what happens is these influencers and our political parties and all of the different voices and authorities that we default to instead of God, they become for us kind of this self-validating feedback loop, this this echo chamber of we, we just keep telling ourselves what we want to hear or what our flesh wants to hear. And it just kind of continues to feel like, yeah, we're right, they're wrong, and that's the end of it, right? But what's interesting is that that always winds up pulling us further away from God in his plan for our life. I'm going to give you just kind of a practical illustration of this, how this happens sometimes in my life um, as a married guy and a dad um, and in the evenings after dinner man I love a little dessert I don't know about you guys and I love a cookie alright I know I probably talk way too much about cookies in my sermons alright but I love a cookie and sometimes, and sometimes it's Leslie but sometimes it's me I'll say hey Leslie my, this is my wife by the way Leslie you want a cookie right And I'll, I'll get you a cookie now if you're married here you know what's happening right now I'm asking her if she wants a cookie, but I'm, you know, and I wanna get her one, but I don't necessarily so much get one her to get one. I wanna get one for Will, but I wanna get one for Will guilt-free, right? So, um, you know, this keeps me from eating three, but I'll get one. But yeah, what's funny, it's, it, those moments I've, I, I figured out, there's this mental trick that I'm doing in my head that if I can turn it into like, oh, I'm just doing an act of love, like it's, it's not really, dessert becomes this incredible loving act instead of what it really is, it's just gratifying my craving for sugar in the moment. I just want some sugar, right? But what's interesting is that same dynamic is happening society-wide, worldwide. That if I can say, oh, is that what you want? The thing that we used to maybe call perverse or wrong or evil or bad, oh, if I can celebrate and affirm it, that if I can get you your cookie, then I can have my cookie guilt-free. I can do whatever I want. So, you see, we push back from God, redefine good and evil. This is the world that we live in. We can, we can have whatever we want. And this is the kind of society where we wind up creating for us a prison cell of our own desires that we can't seem to get out of. It's a downward spiral of depression and anxiety and addiction, and it's hurting so many people instead of pulling back and saying, we need to learn how to live according to God's word. And that's going to require us to deny our flesh. This is so important because when we give into that, it is deceitful ideas playing to misguided desires that are normalized in a sinful world. It is how we are conformed into the pattern of this world. I know you're probably thinking, where is this going? This is all a part of explaining, how are we conformed into the pattern of this world? So the follow-up question is, how do we resist this enemy of the world? How do we push back, how do we get free of it? How do we learn to live in the world, but not of it? So how do we resist the enemy of the world? it really comes down to spiritual practices of Jesus. The spiritual practices of Jesus, and this has sort of been our working theory all along, is how we engage in spiritual warfare. As I said, this is a spiritual war that we're in. And how do we fight in a spiritual war? Jesus taught us we do it by his spiritual practices, his habits, his disciplines that he did as we incorporate them into our life, it helps us to fight against the devil, the flesh, the world, the three enemies of the soul, that we can push back and they stop controlling us, they stop tyrannizing our life, they stop having their talons, their grip on every part of us. So how do we get free? What is that spiritual warfare, spiritual discipline that we need to put in place? It may be the most simple of all, the church. The church, it's it's being a part of the church. It's, It's engaging with the body of Christ. You see, Jesus never meant for us to follow him alone. As a matter of fact, It's impossible for us to truly follow him alone, and I'll prove it to you. In Matthew 22, when Jesus gives us the second greatest commandment, according to Jesus, to love your neighbor as yourself, you can't do that by yourself, can you? You have to be in community to love other people as yourself. We need to be connected to and and, um, a part of and connected in terms of participation and love and a relationship that's ongoing with the body of Christ, and it's so powerful that when we do that, it begins to help us to understand what Jesus had in mind and the kind of strength that we can draw from that on a day-to-day basis. In other words, the call to follow Jesus was and still is a call to his community, to his community. And when we connect with that community, it gives us such deep Foundation for how to live out the the life, the Christian life, from a strong. Pardon me, to form a strong community. Let's take a look at this together. By following Jesus together, it enables us to form a strong community of deep relationships that function as a counterculture to the world. A counterculture to the world this beautiful resistance. Let me define this. This counterculture, I mean, is a beautiful resistance to the world and it's rebellion against God. That it is a way of learning how to love this world, to love the people of the world and bring the renewal that only Jesus can bring to the world. It's so powerful. And again, this just falls beautifully in line with Jesus' vision for what the church was supposed to be. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and following, Jesus says to his followers, he would say it to us as well, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. Like you're this community that's up on a hill where everybody can see. And if even just one person lights a candle, puts a light in the window, it can be seen from miles and miles away. It makes a huge difference in a dark world. And he goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And this is what the light, when he's talking about light, he's talking about reflecting the light of the good deeds that Jesus showed us how to do. We do it in his power. He says, and if, when those good deeds are done, they will, people will glorify your father in heaven. They will see those and they will turn them back to God to say, wow, wow. You're totally different than the rest of the culture. You're living very different, and that difference becomes an attraction. It's beautiful. It draws you to them. Now, I want to give you a couple examples of this. The first one's going to sound like I'm bragging, but it's the best one I could come up with, okay? But a couple of years ago, my wife and my middle daughter, Allie, were on an end-of-school trip to New York City, and while they were in Manhattan, they went to a coffee shop and they were talking to the guy that was making their coffee, and he said, y'all aren't from here, are you? And they said, no, why? He said, you just seem so alive. (laughs) I don't know if that was as much commentary about them or about New York City, but I thought it was funny, and he wanted to keep talking to them, because it was like, you're just so different than the average New Yorker that comes in here. You just seem to be full of life, and I love that. It is what we try to personify as a church. We do it all throughout the year, but really spotlight it in the falls when we do the big give, where we do a, a big give where we all give of our resources, our time, our effort, volunteering hours, and we give back to the Brazos Valley. And we have these like minded nonprofit organizations that we partner with that tell us every year. We could not do what we do if it weren't for you guys. We couldn't service these people. We couldn't show them the love of God the way we've been able to do it if y'all hadn't come alongside, if you hadn't partnered with us. It is helping the, the, the people of God shine brighter as we come together and we work together and we shine together. It's beautiful, and this is the way he intended it. There was another time, really I think one of the first times that we see Jesus talking about the church and using the word church is over in Matthew chapter 16. He's, he's asking the disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? It's kind of like Jesus' version of a pop quiz, okay? Have you been paying attention? Like, who do you say? First he asks, who do, who do they say that, that, that I am? Well, some people think you're Elijah. Some think you, you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some of you think this or that. He says, but who do you? You are my closest friends. You are my disciples. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, sort of the mouthpiece of the disciples, he pipes up and says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my, let's say it together, my church, a word that means called out ones, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there is some debate or kind of like uh, some conversation among Greek scholars about this little phrase, prevail against it, that it could be translated and probably should be, withstand it. Because you think about gates are a defensive weapon. They're not offensive. Gates don't move forward. They stay in the same place, right? Gates are made to keep out, Keep out the enemy, right? And he says that my church will continue to advance and move forward, and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the movement forward, the advancement, the victory that's gonna come through my church and my people will continue to shine forth in a world that needs so desperately to see the light of God. And he, they look for it in you and me. And it's powerful, when we really take that seriously and we need each other to link arms, the church, the Greek word is ekklesia, the called out ones. The church is not a community of comfort, but a, but a community of calling. That we've been called to something. We've been, we've been called to commitment. We've been called to engage. We've been called to stand up. We've been called to shine. Not to remain passive and in the shadows, but to stand up. And when we come together on the weekends for these public gatherings of church, and praise God, we have that right in this country. Not everywhere in the world, that is a right that people have, or when we gather in our small groups, it is a time that we come together and remind each other we're not alone. You're not alone in this walk with God, with this belonging to this new humanity, this new community, these brothers and sisters of Christ that will someday be rulers on this earth under God. That's what the New Testament tells us, that we will rule together with God's wisdom and with his power and his spirit that we will get to do that and that we come together for renewal, that our minds can be recalibrated with the truth, that when we start to get off from the culture, we can be recalibrated. That's what the church helps us to do. It also helps to renew our hearts, that we can be healed, we can be brought right with God, we can be forgiven, we can learn to forgive. The things that are impossible without God become possible within the community that Jesus says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Not to say that Jesus is not with his people when you're not at church, but there is a power, there's a synergy, spiritually speaking, that happens when we come together. Jesus was clear about that. And he says, and I want you to be those people that make this a priority, that this community is a priority, that you make that a part of your everyday routines of life. It becomes important because people all and, and, and invite people with you because this whole world is looking for purpose and meaning and community. The human soul craves it at the deepest level, and this secular world cannot give it to them, not to the level that they're desiring. But Jesus says, I can and will satisfy that longing of your soul, and I will do it through my truth and my people on earth. And it's so powerful. So I just want to challenge you today that if you've not made church, whether it's here or maybe you feel like I belong in another church, I encourage you plug in, get connected. If you're considering plugging in, getting connected here at Brazos Fellowship, or what we call finding your place, and it's been hard maybe for you to find your place, it's like I'm not sure how to find my place. Let me give you just a little micro step, okay? It's simply to get out your phone, all right? And some of you do this a lot already, so this is not gonna be real hard, that part, you get your phone out, and you just text all one word, find your place. These three words, one word, find your place to 97000, okay? Now, don't, don't think that, okay, well, if I send that in, then I am, like, committed, and they're gonna bug me, and somebody's back in a dark room going, ha, ha, we got them, all right. No, nobody's doing that, okay? We want you to, you'll be completely in control of this. It's gonna be all up to you how you want to respond, how you want to, you know, plug in, and we wanna send you some information that will help you to be able to take that next step. We wanna help you to be able to plug in here, and we don't want anything to hinder that. So um, we just ask that you would take that step with us, if you would, and really consider this morning, Maybe you're already plugged in or you're, a, a, you're already committed here. We thank God for you. We're so glad. We just invite you to sort of take that next step. What does it look like for you to just ask the question, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I, you know, with what you do have, right? We're not asking you to give what you don't have, but how can you be a part? And it will be a blessing that will come back to you over and over in the years to come. And what I'd like to do right now is I wanna lead us in a prayer of commitment to really join with the church and to help other people to discover what you have found. If you're a follower of Christ, if you have not ever become a follower of Christ, you you've never, you don't really know where you stand with God, today's the day where you get to invite Jesus into your heart to forgive sin and allow him to be the leader and Lord of your life. Have, give him the same place in your life that he already has in the universe.